NFTs are known as a consumer trend, but with every new consumer need, there are businesses looking to offer a solution. And there are other businesses that want to help those businesses, which means that there are now B2B companies enabling the NFT ecosystem. I discussed this topic in my latest podcast episode with Leisha Lee, CEO at Rosebud AI. We covered what opportunities has the NFT world opened up for B2B companies? How did Leisha pivot her Web2 company into a Web3 company? And what does Rosebud's go-to-market look like? I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and feel free to reach out to me with any thoughts. Let's dive in. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm so excited to chat with you about what's going on in Web3 and the movement that you're part of and helping to champion. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. To start off, can you tell us how did you start your company and why and how did you get into Web3? Yeah, so Web3 was definitely later in the journey. So our focus and my background is in machine learning and in particular deep learning. And so I was really passionate about the developments in synthetic media. So in particular, generating visuals, videos, um, you know, and creating like uh, creator tools basically to help people make visual assets. And so in the beginning, we were really kind of launching a bunch of mobile apps and some of them go viral because our focus was really on like making the interface stupidly easy for anybody to try to engage and start um, using these models. Um, but what was really happening last year that captured our attention and really had us consider kind of seriously a Web3 pivot was the fact that the NFT space, you know, obviously it was very hyped, but also there was some very serious and I think long-term applications there. So in particular, you know, a lot of gaming applications were actually developing gaming assets and minting them as NFTs um, can actually have a huge, um, not only financial upside, but then turn out to be a way to kind of support this creative work. And then similarly with like fine artists and and uh, people creating like visual assets outside of gaming as well. So I was super passionate about that use case. And uh, it just became clear to me that if I wanted to focus on those types of users, then um, completely focusing on creating NFTs and the kind of using our ML tools to focus on that use case was going to allow me to uh, really hone in on those users. And can you tell us more, who are the customers that you're focusing on today and what might they be a year or two from now? Right now, actually, it's uh, it's much more of a B2B focus. I mean, I would say it's, it's, it is a B2B focus. So like, you know, before we were re- releasing these um, consumer apps and, and uh, that was because like consumers were the ones willing to try. I mean, I would call it prosumer. They were sometimes, you know, creating uh, maybe assets for smaller businesses uh, for their own TikTok channels or influencers as well. Um, but yeah, primarily I would just say like that's a consumer angle. But now um, we would partner or collaborate with other projects, whether they're launching you know, these like play to earn games or they're helping people uh, launch NFT collections. Like we will uh, work with those bigger projects to not only create assets because it's like our value add is not to replace the artists. And I can kind of maybe share with you some visuals later, but it's really to do something that is hard for humans, which is like, how do you create this like interactive experience, right? So like we can train a model on an artist's style of work or their portfolio to um, and when I say model, I mean like a, you know, a deep learning generative model, GANs, diffusion, like all of those uh, different types of architectures. Um, and that the output then can be done interactively. So if they want their mentors or their kind of community to be able to co-create with them, it's really impossible to have like an artist kind of help a 10,000 person community 
create things in their style. But like if we train a machine learning model to do it, then they, we could actually facilitate that. So it's really, yeah, I guess our, our value add is like, how do we bring all of our um, learnings from creating those consumer experiences and then work with these projects to like build these almost like mini apps experiences for their NFT projects? Are there certain companies you would mention that are customers of yours that the audience is likely to recognize and, and we can sort of talk through? Yeah, I'm wondering because they're not official yet, but there's there are definitely names you'll recognize. And there's a couple of really big gaming uh, NFT projects in there worth a lot of um, just like the kind of activity, economic activity in there. So, um, But I don't think I can like say it right away just because, yeah, yeah, it's like not announced yet. But maybe as a kind of proxy to that, we raised a crypto kind of strategic round recently and our lead was Animoca Brands. So, so you can imagine they're uh, involved or own or invested in a bunch of these most, you know, uh, gaming projects. So there's that. And then I guess related, we're also kind of working with artists to create NFT drops that have this interactive component. So there's also that, which is not exactly gaming focused. On that note, do you work with, say, marketing agencies that might be supporting like a celebrity client or someone else who wants an NFT that's sort of in their image? It's a great question. It's not something that we've started approaching yet just because we had some access to some artists directly. But with that said, I think it'll make sense as a go-to-market strategy because there's a lot of, I guess there's a lot of NFT collections that are oriented around like, okay, now people want to drop digital merchandise and um, we can also help with that. And so I think the marketing, maybe not exactly marketing agencies, but maybe they're also kind of managers of talent, like creator talent. Like whoever's kind of that solopreneur, solo entrepreneur that is like looking to launch NFT drops, I, I imagine us expanding to that fairly soon. For one of the gaming companies that might be working with you, what do you think defines success in their mind? So, you know, if they're happy with their working relationship with you, what does that look like? So the thing I think we are both aligned on is like, how do you drive more utility to the community? So like a lot of, I think back in 2021, it was like, really hyped up. Anybody can do like a 10K collection and probably sell out and, you know, make money. But I think those days are gone. You need to kind of really have a sustained reason why the community is like excited about not only NFT drops, but why are they kind of there either playing the game or in the community. And so I think what would define success is like the fact that we can allow the users, the mentors, the community to be a part of like to participate in creation in some way. That will help. And of course, then what measures that is actual, like, do people mint stuff, like the actual revenue, you know, and also do people kind of trade on it? I would say that different projects, they don't, I think absolute maybe volume of like the revenue might be less of a good proxy just because like, for instance, if you're launching something on Solana versus something on Ethereum, it's just like, because the gas prices are so different and one is maybe to facilitate much more transaction activity than the other, that maybe the absolute volume will be like smaller. But I think that kind of engagement and like as a proxy for like sustained value and engagement, that's what ultimately matters. So probably develop some KPIs around that. Are these gaming companies trying to build internally initially when you go talk to them or do they have some kind of alternative? They don't have anything that's, I think, interactive. A lot of it is they're obviously very successful kind of already doing drops and getting also corporate partnerships um, and creating these gaming experiences. But if they wanted to have like a huge number of variations um, and unique variations, that's something we can help with. And we work with creative teams on that. And then two, just like it's just not really possible for them to take any user input um, to kind of customize it. And that's just something I mean, before, like if they didn't think it was possible, they wouldn't like release it as a feature. But now that it is like that's something that we're kind of testing and 
you know, to your point about what's a success metric, that's what we're hoping to kind of prove out is um, is really valuable for community engagement. So it sounds like you're really opening up these new opportunities these companies previously didn't have. I mean, you're, you're truly creating a new market. What do you think that market looks like five years from now? What we're doing exactly right now with the NFT collection, in the short term, it's definitely to see if co-creation can help make IP and proliferate these like, I guess, like gaming worlds and also even, I guess, even for like more of the corporate and merchandising type of stuff, like having more community input. I, I think it looks very different depending on which of these ends up really valuing that kind of community co-creation. I suspect it's much more in gaming, though this is really contingent on a lot of things because platforms and ecosystems aren't quite mature for like interoperable objects yet. But I think what's really missing, at least in a very specific example, which is VR, right, is just that like the content creators uh, are still limited to some people who are extremely technical. So I think what's really different in these Web3 projects is that you do have a lot of participants in the community who are consumers, but hopefully that you can elevate them, at least a subset of them to creators as well. I would see the analogy is like very similar to how TikTok made it really easy to make videos. And so it kind of created a new class of creators because it was just stupidly simple to create a create a video. And so people who had things to say can now kind of be a creator themselves. With this movement, do you anticipate there will be many more B2B companies operating in the NFT space? And if so, what do you think are the categories of B2B companies? I probably didn't create such a demarcated taxonomy, but I definitely see B2B is like hard in the space, but also in some sense, it's like what people want to bet on first. Because if you if you kind of believe that the ecosystem will grow, then it, it might be easier. So I've seen like some API plays here or like, you know, Carta for Web3 where people have to like help with like token launches. So those are some like very classic, I think, translating from Web2. We'll see a need in Web3. I think from what we're doing, it's probably, it probably belongs in a broader category of how do you make NFT collections because I see the need not not just coming from the, like the visual part. I mean, in fact, the visual part I would say is like very small. Like what we're latching on is like community engagement, and I think that's like what drives value. But other things that people latch on to kind of drive that community engagement are, you know, if you're working with say brands that want to do drops, then it's all about like how do you even onboard people who aren't natively in Web three and what value is it to them? So some more compelling proposals I've heard are okay, this is actually kind of a membership NFT in which you get access to earlier drops. Think about, you know, Supreme, how exclusive it is that whenever they drop something, it's like it sells out. So they wanna, yeah, they wanna kind of use NFTs as a way to enable that experience. And I think like in some sense it's like maybe NFTs are not necessary, but it I have seen successful examples where it's just like what else is also lashed onto this like category and ways for the community to engage. So for instance, like discords get opened up and brands would be really surprised that, oh, wow, like this is far more interaction than I, I ever get on Instagram. And so this might be a new way of doing things or people are excited to have like a, you know, a digital collectible associated with like um, something physical that they would buy anyways. And so I think that's still experimental, but anyways, it's also in the category of like, how do you create value for the community and then help the brand basically build a deeper relationship? So that's another category. I'm not, I'm probably going a lot more in depth than breadth. Yeah, I'll have to kind of think about what, what else is, what I'm seeing the tooling space, but I think long story short, I'm seeing a lot more maybe tooling than there are applications. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It's, it seems to sometimes be the more conservative bet. And when you say tooling, does that mean a feature masquerading as a product? So it's not really tackling a full use case? 
Well, not completely. Thanks for clarifying. It's it's more like it's always, you know, like maybe building up infrastructure to help people do things. But the, ultimately, like the end goal is to do the thing, which is to sell the NFTs and are these things useful? And I see like that is still more like far more experimental. I would say the gaming stuff is the most application driven thing I've seen so far. And then I would say even like marketplaces all the way down to like providing APIs for like data for NFTs are all in the tooling B2B side. So, you know, some of them are definitely very useful marketplaces, for instance. Um, but I, yeah, I would almost say like I see more of those type of B2B plays of the actual applications. Is there a certain Web2 company that you would consider yourself to be an analog for? Or if not, is there a, a Web2 company that you aspire to be like in some way? Probably not as an analog, just because even I think the business model that really enabled us to focus on these type of creators, you know, whether it's in the gaming sector or fine art um, and creators are, is just like not really possible in Web2. It's just like, you know, gaming industry, notoriously difficult to sell into, um, you know, like focusing on fine artists really was not a venture model in any, in any sense in Web2. But with that said, I mean, there's definitely a bunch of companies that are working in the creator economy or have like really, I found really helpful to kind of think about from how they built product and their own business model. So like, I think the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to think about the right go-to-market was Canva. And I mean, I really like Canva just because it, even though it's like not clear at all that they use any AI, which is, I guess, my background, like what they did really well was have the strategy to templatize so many different types of use cases. And it's again, like making things really easy and accessible and then allowing people to achieve like professional-ish looking results. Um, a totally different, I think, company in that category, but it might seem more consumer-y, but I'm pretty sure their business model is B2B is Jiffy or Giphy. I just found it delightful to kind of learn how they figured out, you know, the way to kind of extract value is because they're the real estate of where they showed Jiffy was getting so many, so much like attention. And therefore, when they did deals with platforms like Facebook or Twitter, it's like, that's how they'll get paid in, in the views. But like, they also in some ways have made it really easy to create content in, uh, even though it's like, it seems really simple, you just kind of upload, it's really just like uploading stuff, um, but then making it really shareable and it's uploading the right thing that people actually want to use to communicate. So that kind of allowed me to think in just like trying to think more about like the business model of like, even if you're, even if the content that you're creating seems like, like the content creators themselves um, probably are not the right people to pay for it, but that is like pretty valuable um, in turning into another, like somebody else is going to pay for that because the, the content is readily consumed. Switching gears, I'd love to talk in more depth about your product itself. Can you describe at the next level of detail, what exactly does your product do? What are the key features? How did you build it? What's your tech stack? There's a lot of different models we use. I mean, on the high level of how the products like is shaped is that we are aiming to make it really simple to generate assets. So whether that is a 2D image of a character and um, and what does easy mean? It's like easy probably in terms of like a really accessible interface is somebody using text to describe it, right? It's like, I want to create somebody with pink hair who's like, I don't know, fairy punk or whatever. <laughs> it's like whatever collection they want to make. And so there's some really great methods that have kind of emerged out of deep learning. You know, clip guided diffusion is one of them. 
And that basically allows you to kind of match natural language to other generative models that you were able to train. Diffusion was mentioned. Um, also, you know, your, your good old GANs and basically a bunch of like models where you can train it on a particular domain and, and be able to reproduce very accurate samples from that domain, whether it's faces, landscapes, you know, abstract concepts. So that's like 2D. But of course, a lot of these things actually work also for 3D asset generation. And so you can imagine um, just, you know, getting um, enough, uh, basically chaining this like a pipeline to create objects in 3D as well and really kind of populate an immersive environment. Text is not the only interface that makes things super intuitive. It's also like maybe you actually do some type of like visual search where like you first have some random samples and then you can like look at their neighboring images and neighboring kind of like space. And what's nice about a lot of these models is that they have a really nice representation that allows you to get to these neighboring spaces and semantically relevant ways. So for instance, like GANs, you have a latent space that allows you to find, I can make this person change hair or age or, you know, just like find basically directions that correspond to things that a user would be interested in controlling. That's kind of like a pipeline. And so when we talk about like on the product side, we want to give people control into creating something that's really, you know, amazing and professional, but with very little, I think maybe skill on their own. It's about like, how do you give them the power to like write text or maybe like choose visually what they want and then get at what they need really, you know, with a minimum number of steps, but still that gives them the feeling that they've like contributed to the curation, but also they have something very unique. That that would I say, I, I would say is like the abstraction of most of the, you know, the models that we end up training or yeah, working in our pipeline is all kind of following that kind of product rule. This is mind-blowingly futuristic. It's so fascinating. So moving on to your go-to-market, can you talk about how do you price? Is this a subscription service? Are you taking a share of the royalties? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the the things that I loved about moving to Web3 because everyone kind of understands that people make money if we get a cut of, like if you as a business get a cut of the transactions. And so yes, royalties, yes, a cut of the initial sales. You know, there's some standards around how these projects are priced and kind of the cuts are, are shared. And so, for instance, if you are a marketplace, you maybe take 5 to 15% of the cut. And that's depending on what are the value of the create or collectors that you can kind of onboard. Like for us, because we're doing a lot of custom work and we help with the smart contracts, um, depending on if they need it. So, for instance, if like somebody's launching a 1K or 10K collection, they might want very custom ways for the smart contract to behave. Like there could be different tiers of NFTs that are associated with like different privileges or properties. They want like a more custom minting experience. Like we'll do that as well. And so we'll probably take a much bigger cut. And so how those things range is anywhere from like 15 to almost like 50%, depending on how much custom work. And then on top of that, you know, doing the actual ML work, creating the assets is part of the creative work as well. And so that's why the range varies so much. But that's like, I wouldn't say standard in the industry, but something that like everyone kind of understands. You're taking cut of initial sales and then also a cut of the creator royalties in the secondaries. What does sales involve at your company? Do you have a sales team or aspire to hire one? Probably eventually, uh, but right now a lot of st still founder-driven sales. And I think it's just because the market itself is very nascent. And so for, you know, um, I definitely have people on my team that um, do it with me right now. And that's because they're very close to the product or they're very close to the content creation. And so they really understand 
along with me the vulnerabilities of like certain things like some things might look really hard but actually really easy for us to do where some things might seem to be like really easy but it's not something that we should actually be focusing focusing any of our energies on and so that's why it's so um I think we don't have like a sales team right now just because like none of those scripts have been really finalized yet. That makes sense. Are there certain customer facing roles that you expect to hire for in the future? A lot. Uh, So we're in the process of onboarding a lot of like community. Um, uh, Basically, I don't know how to what the right term is, like managers, organizers, like, uh, you know, uh, basically people who kind of and I think that's it's, it's really nice that in Web3 that really sits pretty close with product if not is part of the product and so you know they have to understand our offerings um they're actually also involved in the sales uh, side of things because like you know we're not just like creating nfts ourselves we're helping people and projects make nfts and so the more involved we are with these projects in terms of helping them mint and create that experience the more marketing we do for them and also the more and basically that's all customer facing and on top of that we're merging our communities together so like the customers both the projects that we work with and their community of users and our community that we've kind of already you know exposed some of these tools to would you consider the community team to be the same as a developer relations team or are there some meaningful differences I think definitely uh, just because it's not um, like our users are not developers necessarily. I mean, most of them, especially if we're like launching an empty collection um, with another project, like those users are probably not technical at all. They're like kind of co-creating and minting those NFTs. So in that sense, they're, they're definitely different. What roles do you think will ultimately exist on your leadership team? Mm. I think something that would be different from, you know, Web2, because I can say all, all the obvious ones, like, you know, for like tech leads and like VPN or whatever. Um, but a very different one would be, I think a designer that you would hire is, you know, it's not just somebody who's just going to, you know, do design and, and, and maybe help a ship kind of like the interface of apps. Like they're also, they, they can also come from like an art direction background because a lot of just like the NFT projects are, are really just, it, it's even hard to kind of put a finger on it. Cause like art direction is quite broad itself, but I see it as like, they might have some background in creating the art direction for games because it really is an experience for that kind of consumer, but also like bigger, maybe like visual movie type of products as well. So like that, I do see as a um, probably exec level role that would be probably very like unnecessary in a in most Web2 companies. Um, but for us, it's like, I think that's like pretty core to the product as well. All right. Final question for you. What advice would you have for Web2 people that are looking to get into Web3 in their careers? If they're really interested and there's something that they find, um, you know, like in my case, I can speak most probably forcefully to it, which is like, you know, the ML side was what really drove us to make the product. I think the product will be useful in kind of either way. And so the Web3 um, pivot was really just to, it just made a lot more sense from a business model point of view. And so if there's something like that where you absolutely believe in the product either way and uh, and you just kind of wanted to get the Web3 side to kind of make sense, um, then yeah, I, I would say just like go for it. I mean, that's maybe not so helpful as advice. Like, there's so many reasons why people would probably take the risk or not, or maybe it's not even considered risky. Maybe more practically, like how do you even get involved is there's so many active discords uh, with like whatever is your kind of favorite, like whether they're developer oriented uh, or all the way to like just being part of the community and actually buying into some of these projects. Obviously, a lot of scams. I'm sure, you know, your audience is very savvy. So that's not something that they're in danger of. But um, 
yeah, it is, it is kind of easy to kind of start dipping your toes and just like participating and seeing how they can get involved. Obviously, a lot of developer need as well. And so like, you can definitely formally participate in projects without having to like get a full-time job and just kind of test out if it's something that you like. Lisa, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for helping me and, and others kind of learn about the Web3 world, how B2B might be relevant in what ways it's not, you know, in what ways SaaS experience doesn't translate exactly. But it sounds like there are a lot of parallels and I'm excited to watch you continue to grow your company. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And I'm sure I have a lot to learn from you on the, you know, the SaaS side and how that translates because it's like solving similar problems and, you know, those learnings, probably a lot of it carries over. Sounds great. 